This episode is sponsored by Gentex Corporation. Gentex is a longtime supplier of electro-optical products for the global automotive, aerospace, and fire protection industries. Visit www.gentex.com to check out the latest in digital vision, connected car, and dimmable glass technologies. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Shift, a podcast about mobility. I'm Pete Bigelow, your host. General Motors created a new business unit last month called GM Energy, a development that's perhaps one of the more underappreciated in recent months. GM Energy is utilizing the company's Altium battery technology to provide a range of new services that combined really push forward the idea of using vehicles themselves as power sources for homes, businesses, and even pushing power back to the grid. We're going to dive into the details in a minute, but it's important because GM's the first automaker to really challenge Tesla's Powerwall and Powerpack products. And I've been left wondering what took so long. Uh, GM Energy is important for another reason. It's a great example of an automaker thinking beyond the vehicle itself, and in this case, connecting the transportation and energy realms. That is the subject of today's podcast. I've been intrigued by the ways in which automakers are leveraging their investments in automation, connectivity, and electrification across transportation. Joining me to discuss that today, I'm pleased to welcome two guests. First, Travis Hester, General Motors Vice President of EV Growth Operations. He's going to discuss GM Energy's creation and plans in greater detail. And then after the commercial break, we'll be joined by Bill Mack, who's going to provide some insight on how GM is utilizing electric vehicle components and work on airport tugs, boats, trains, and more. Should be a good one-two punch. Without further ado, I'm pleased to bring you this conversation with GM's Travis Hester. Travis, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here today. Uh, Thanks, Pete. Uh, It's great to be with you. General Motors started a new business unit called GM Energy just about a a month or so ago. Uh, Just to kick this off, uh, set the landscape and tell us what GM Energy is all about. Yeah, thank you. Um, we are absolutely thrilled to to finally get this out into the community and, and tell people what we're doing. Uh, this is going to help customers in a significant way. And and what I'm talking about when I say that is, you know, if you look at California in September with its hottest summers on record, um, if you look at Texas in February last year, losing like 17 days of power to their homes, or if you look at, you know, some of the terrible things that have happened to the millions of people in Florida just recently, GM Energy is going to be able to help with all of these things in a fairly substantial way. More specifically, uh, GM Energy is going to consist of a couple of portions. One of them is called Ultium Home, and that allows you to add resiliency and energy management to your home environment. Um, The second part is what we call Ultium Commercial, and this is targeted to help small, medium, and large businesses of any scale uh, manage their energy needs. And then, uh, of course, we have Ultium Charge 360, which is the third component, which is our our EV infrastructure play that we're rolling out across the US. Uh, so it's a really, there's a powerful set of components behind this, a powerful set of software, and we're really hoping to help our, our customers here in ways that they haven't been able to think about before. Travis, you mentioned all those events that have happened, uh, natural disasters and whatnot. Uh, how was GM Energy conceived? And uh, give us the backstory. How long have you been working on, on rolling this out? So if you think about 
uh, General Motors, we have some core competencies that are quite powerful. We've, we've been making vehicles for over 100 years. We're quite good at manufacturing. Um, we have recently become quite expert at manufacturing battery and battery cells. Um, we have uh, for some time now been uh, delving deeply into software and connectivity. We've been running the OnStar connectivity play for over 25 years, and, and we're very good at that. And then more recently, we've been into you know deep algorithms through uh, autonomous vehicle driving, you know both with cruise automation and with ourselves here at General Motors. When you put all those core competencies together um, of connectivity, cell manufacturing, and large scale you know vehicle manufacturing, it it's a very small step forward to be able to take advantage of a new white space that's been created between the electric grid and the electric vehicle, and be able to put some technology in place some both hardware and software that really helps our customers um, bring solutions to them and their home and their businesses in ways that they haven't been able to do before. And it's really um, quite powerful, quite meaningful to customers um, when, when they can do this with their vehicles. It, you know, one, at one time there was vehicles that would drive you from A to B. Uh, now vehicles can do a lot more than just get you from A to B. They can help you with resiliency. You know, when you have power outages, they can help you with, um, you know, cost savings for at either a household level or at a business level by optimizing energy and time of use rates. Um, the, the technology we've put into these vehicles and into GM Energy is, is really quite cutting edge. What is it about this new white space, to use that phrase, that that makes this uh, advantageous and perhaps profitable down the road for, for GM? Uh, you know, what's the business case for this now that you have all this technology in place? To answer that, you need to understand a little bit about energy, and, and it's not that complicated. It's actually quite logical when you think about it. But you know, if you look at the grid, the grid has plenty of energy that can be created for normal usage cases. So you know, if you look at what they call time of use rates for energy or time of use demand, typically during the day, energy is relatively plentiful and relatively cheap. Um, say, take 12 noon in the day. Um, you know, if you take California as an example, they actually offset energy into other states because they have so much capacity um, being created. But in the evening times between, say, 4 p.m. And, and 10 p.m. is when energy demand starts to increase with uh, everybody running um, various devices and population growth in it and device growth. Um, there are certain times of the year that energy can hit a peak. And uh, sometimes the grid gets under stress because of that peak. In a prior world, when there was only internal combustion engine vehicles and then there was energy creation at a grid level and they were sort of separate, there was no ability to store energy at mass scale. What has happened as part of this EV evolution, in, um, the part that I was referring to as a white space, is we now have mass battery storage in different devices, uh, plentiful and available throughout the country. So yeah, as part of this GM energy launch, we have um, some hardware that is available. These are battery storage units that are available either at a residential level as part of Ultium Home or at a business level as part of Ultium Commercial. And then of course you have batteries in vehicles which can also use, be used as storage of energy. And what that means is you, you now have throughout the country in mass scale, um, the ability to store 
several thousand megawatts of energy that has never been able to be stored before. So, you know, when energy was not able to be used, it would go to ground and be wasted. Now we can store that energy in these different storage devices. This can can really help out at a societal level. What's the state of the grid right now or the the multiple grids that make up the the quote unquote grid? Well, there's some reports that you can read that are quite impactful. Like there are more blackouts in the US than any other um, developed nation on earth. And, you know, there's something in the order of, you know, it's estimated $150 billion of lost commerce throughout the US due to blackouts. You know, if you want to zero in on one state specifically, it would be, you know, California is a great mixing pot. It has 25,000 blackouts in 2020, almost $15.5 billion of lost commerce just due to those blackouts. It also happens to have the most number of EV vehicles in the US, you know, something getting beyond um, one in four vehicles or electric vehicles now. Um, and those electric vehicles are not the problem statement for energy demand. They're actually a solution statement for being able to store energy and be able to use it and offset grid need and grid demand when it's needed, you know, in those late periods between 4 p.m. and 10 p.m. at night. So at a macro level, um, we have spots throughout the U.S. and in particular um, residential areas that are prone to grid issues. And what we'll be able to do when we partner with a lot of the utilities, which we do, you know, in a great way, there's over three and a half thousand utilities across the U.S., um, we're working with the majority of them to be able to really uh, help bring those energy needs and those energy solutions to both homes and, and to the grid here to help out with some sustainability issues and some um, grid resiliency issues. Maybe one of our most important partnerships is, is our linkage with SunPower. You know, SunPower is one of the leading um, solar installers and solar uh, energy companies throughout the U.S., and part of our HGM energy activity here is to link in you know, the vehicle, the stationary storage activity and uh, solar panels all linked together and integrated quite seamlessly through this intelligent app and our GM energy cloud. So they're one of our, you know, one of our key partners in this whole activity. And then when we go beyond that, you know, when we start talking about some of the pilots for utilities, we're, we're linked up with PG&E, who we have a great partnership with. Um, Con Edison is another. We have a great partnership. New Hampshire Electric is another one. Uh, some of our partners will put this together and we're really advancing the cutting edge of activity here with, with those uh, companies. And then even beyond that, getting into some of our early customers that we're really going to create some great energy management solutions. You know, just as an example, we have um, uh, Granite Rock, a mining company in California that we're doing some fantastic work with really cutting edge uh, sort of energy management leadership group there at, uh, at Granite Rock. I think you anticipated my next question a bit by saying that EVs are part of the solution and not part of the problem in some way, but is the grid ready to handle EVs until there's such a time where they can majority be supplying energy back? Or is the grid okay as long as we're in this era of a, of a one-way street? There are experts who live and breathe this every day, but when you spend time with them, they will tell you, and I agree with them, the grid has cut plenty of energy that we need now. So the grid is ready to handle all this. The problem is not, do we have enough energy? It's, it's do we have it at the right time? And that's the problem statement that we need to solve. So there's plenty of capacity. 
um, for the majority of the time, but peak periods at certain times, particularly uh, in those peak periods at night, that's when we run short of energy. And with some of the technology that's available to store this and manage this energy, it can balance those load curves to really help um, utilities and to help out the grid to balance that demand. So, you know, vehicles can be a huge enabler here and so can stationary storage units like we're selling from Ultium Home and Ultium Commercial. They can actually do a couple of really good things. A customer can manage their daily EV charging. So they can take advantage of these time of use rates and these time of demand curves. So they can actually take energy in during the day in either their vehicle or their stationary storage box you know, within their home or their business, and then take that when energy is plentiful and when it is low cost, and then use it in the afternoon from those stationary storage devices or from their vehicle to do what they call vehicle to home, which means take your energy out of your vehicle and put it in the home or go from your stationary storage box and run your home or your business. That can actually be super lucrative for businesses and, and homes and offset thousands of dollars a year in uh, energy costs. That's kind of what can happen every day. But then the ones that are, you know, sometimes the most impactful for customers are the resiliency plays. So this is when you have an unexpected power outage in your home. You know, imagine that you come home one day and you've got no energy if you're driving a, a Silverado EV and you have a bi-directional charger in your home, you can just simply plug in your EV to your home and you can turn your home on and run your home, you know, either at full capacity or if you want to be a little careful with some of your devices, you can run it up to something in the order of 21 days of resiliency, all from your 200 kilowatt hour battery in the Chevy Silverado. So that's a resiliency play just to keep your home running during like a power outage. Or you can get into the, the you know the next step, which is called vehicle to grid, which is a resiliency play on a macro level where you take you know thousands of people, you can take percentages of that stationary storage battery or percentages of that um, vehicle. You can push it back through your home all the way to the grid. We can aggregate that together with thousands of other people, and you can actually push you know several thousand megawatts of of power back to the utility, and stop you know sort of demand issues occurring at a utility level and then with different uh, commercial arrangements the customer or the business can benefit from that financially to the you know like again several thousand dollars per year depending on the scale of your storage and really help themselves out in, in a bigger scale so there's a couple of really interesting use cases and all this is planned out and in production now starting in quarter four next year with the gm energy announcement here what is the state of rolling this out? Are there parts that are already active in pilot projects? And, and how does this kind of, how do, how do the rest of the features roll out going forward now? Yeah, timing is a great question, Pete. So thanks. Um, we've been working on this for, you know, more than the last two years, and we're really excited to actually bring it to market. Um, from an Ultium home and an Ultium commercial point of view, uh, we will be launching this commercially to customers, both in a residential and a business uh, opportunity in quarter four of next year, 2023. We have got several pilots that we're running throughout the country, you know, in California, in in North Carolina, um, in New York, and other places um, that are that are proving this out right now. Um, and we actually went live on our energy cloud. This is the GM Energy Cloud. We went live on that in August of this year. We actually have our first uh, almost 400 customers linked up. And we have our first um, four utilities all linked up. 
and over the next few weeks here as we as we roll on you know weeks and months as we roll on to quarter four next year uh, we'll be linking in you know many many more customers and many additional utilities so that we're ready to go for our you know official launch in quarter four of next year Trevsky, tell me more about the energy services cloud because I feel like this is an essential but perhaps unheralded part of this uh, this product. You already have customers using it, uh, as you just mentioned. What exactly does the energy services cloud do? Yeah, so there there are two parts of the GM Energy activity um, branded under Altium Home and Altium Commercial for the different customers we want to serve. They have slightly different products. There are a series of hardware products that effectively store energy in one way or move energy between a storage device and, and the energy cloud. But the energy cloud is a, is a really important part of um, the whole system. This is the intelligence behind how that energy moves around. So it is effectively a fairly high powered set of algorithms and artificial intelligence that allow us to communicate directly with the customer to determine whether they want to be involved in any sort of energy management activity in a live basis. We'll do that through an app. We'll be talking directly to utilities who either need additional energy or are trying to offset different energy. And then this energy cloud manages this on an individual one-to-one -one basis across all of our interfaces, allows us to talk to the different entities, form agreements on amount of energy that's needed, and then push that energy around either you know, into the home, if you're talking about a vehicle to home point of view, or a vehicle to business point of view, or if you want to push all the way back to the grid, that can do that as well. So it's some pretty it's some pretty high-powered stuff we're working on. We're really uh, excited with how it's coming out. Travis, I, my understanding is that hydrogen fuel cells are another product that uh, GM Energy could support. What's the status of that, and, and what does that look like going forward? Uh, yeah, absolutely, Pete. General Motors has a couple of core competencies, uh, you know, in addition to battery manufacturing and battery scaled manufacturing that, we, that we've become quite good at. We have another product that we've been developing for a long time. It's called a fuel cell. And a fuel cell is really handy when you want to link this together to batteries as a stationary storage device or batteries, um, you know, that we put into people's vehicle. And if you want to get into solutions for you know, sort of medium and large scale businesses, some of our customers have a need for a resiliency beyond just the grid or the grid connection. So uh, what we have the ability to offer is a stationary storage device linked to a hydrogen fuel cell. The hydrogen creates the electricity to go into the stationary storage. And when you link these together, you can create a microgrid. You can effectively isolate yourself from the from the electricity grid, and you can do that for short periods of time or for sustainable long periods of times. And and this adds a, a whole new degree of flexibility to customers that's quite unique to General Motors because there's not a lot of people in the world who have the experience with fuel cells that we've had over the last many many years. Um, so that's a great part of the GM Energy solution set. What's interesting about that is it feels like whether it's for the vehicle or or beyond, you're telling me that there's a role for both batteries and, and hydrogen fuel cells. Uh, yeah, for sure. Hydrogen fuel cells will be um, something that continues to grow and continues to be part of our, you know, our bigger picture energy solution set. Um, it's a really efficient way to create energy uh, and it does it completely clean. And, uh, you know, that's that's definitely going to be part of our, our longer term solution set going forward. 
Final question for you, Travis. Uh, according to your LinkedIn profile, you have been with General Motors in some capacity for 27 years and 11 months as of today, which, which is a bit of time. Uh, I'm curious, what was your first position with the company and, and how did you wind up on the trajectory to your, your current position with GM Energy? Uh, yeah, uh, thank you. Yeah, I, I didn't know that statistic, so I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I've been with General Motors for a long time. I, I've spent the majority of it in product development. Um, I started off while wow, working on prototype vehicles uh, in Australia a long time ago. I've subsequently worked in the US several times and in China for several years and in Korea and Europe and uh, Canada. I've done lots of different roles in General Motors. Again, mostly with um, product development. I was a chief engineer for a long time and I have never seen through all my time here um, the amount of technological development and the ability for us to reach into the future as much as we are now and really connect solutions for our customers in ways that are super meaningful to that customer. You know, the, the vehicles are fantastic. Uh, honestly, an, an electric vehicle. I've been a chief engineer for uh, almost 20 years of that time. And everything I tried to do as a chief engineer, you can do much easier in an electric vehicle. You can minimize turbo lag. You can maximize the space in a vehicle. You can make the vehicle quiet. You can shoot gaps. You've got great acceleration, instant torque. You know, all these things are fantastic about an electric vehicle. They're, they're a thrilling vehicle to drive. But in addition to that, you get to do things that you just can't do on an internal combustion engine vehicle. You, you can't, you know, all of a sudden run a job site um, from the battery inside your vehicle, or you can't back up your entire home from a power outage, or you can't, you know, aggregate that energy together to save a, a large-scale societal issue. You, know, you can do so much with an electric vehicle with some of these technology linkages into say GM energy um, that you can't do on an internal combustion engine car. So, you know, when we talk white space and leaning into the future, we're really putting it together in a, in a large scale here. Travis, it's been great having you on the podcast today. I feel like we're gonna need to catch up in about two years and, and have you back to hear uh, what transpires in the, in the meantime. That's great, thanks for having me. Thank you to Travis for joining us today. We're gonna to take a short break for this word from this week's sponsor. And then we'll be back with his General Motors colleague, Bill Mack. This episode is sponsored by Gentex Corporation, a global technology company that supplies nearly every major automaker with advanced electronic features that optimize driver vision and enhance driving safety. Digital vision features like Gentech's full display mirror, an intelligent rear vision system that uses a custom camera and mirror integrated video display to optimize a vehicle's rearward view. Connected car features like Homelink, the industry's most widely used and trusted vehicle-based wireless control system that uses radio frequency and or cloud-based wireless control to operate garage doors, gates, home lighting, thermostats, security systems, and other compatible home automation devices all from three buttons, smartly integrated into your vehicle's interior. And dimmable glass features like automatic dimming rear view mirrors that use sophisticated light sensors, proprietary gels, and microprocessor-based algorithms to darken the mirror to the precise level necessary to eliminate dangerous rear view mirror glare. The development and delivery of these features have improved driver convenience and safety around the world. 
Visit www.gentex.com to check out the latest in digital vision, connected car, and dimmable glass technologies. Hi, I'm Lizzie O'Leary, host of Slate's What Next TBD, a clear-eyed look at technology, power, and the future. From fake news to fake meat, algorithms to augmented reality, we'll guide you through the rapid technological changes that are reshaping our world. Those changes aren't always visible, and they aren't always what they appear to be. That's where TBD comes in. With the help of expert guests, we'll help you parse out what matters, what doesn't, and what's next. Subscribe to What Next TBD in your favorite podcast app. Now back to the conversation. Please welcome to the podcast, General Motors Director of EV Growth Operations, Bill Mack. Bill, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you here. Thanks, Pete. Glad to be here. What was your first job at General Motors and what are you doing today? (laughs) My first job at GM uh, was working with Cadillac, which is where most of my experience is. And it was um, taking uh, customer calls and I was working on the Cadillac Elante hotline, which uh, will date me pretty badly, but uh, that was the, uh, the, the first job. Excellent. And, uh, and how did you, uh, how and when did you uh, land in your current role and what, what are you doing now? Yeah. So landed in the current role, um, working on all of our EV cross product initiatives about two years ago when EV Grow was formed and really we wanted to form EV Grow. So there was a dedicated group of us that thought, of nothing else but EV solutions, solutions with customer adoption, and new applications for EV technology. So it's been really kind of a refreshing change to sort of be in a a startup, a microcosm of the larger GM picture, but still have access to all the great technology we have and able to put together things that that work in new ways. So it's been a a great change and um, very energizing to work in, uh, pardon the energy pun, but uh, yes. So when you say about thinking about all the ways things can be electrified, is that with traditional automobiles beyond? Like how how big picture are you are you thinking about this right now? Yeah. So basically, when we think about our all electric future and zero emissions, we really think about it really globally, and we think about it as all products that emit carbon, you know, will will have to be addressed. And that's a pretty big scope, right? So we have to we have to start and and kind of look where the low-hanging fruit is and look at, say, if, if there's some industries um, where we can apply our great batteries and drive motors and control systems to those products and, and take them down to zero emissions and all electric, um, that's really what we're focusing on right now um, in part of the business in, in what we call the e-powered section of the business. Gotcha. So you're talking software controls, the batteries themselves, like the whole ecosystem is what, what you're what yes. electrifying. It, no, you hit it exactly the right way. It is, we do think of it as an ecosystem. You know, when you look at charging, when you look at connectivity, when you look at um, how do you manage a fleet, whether it's one or whether it's a hundred, um, people still want offboard managing of an EV product and they've come to expect it. So we have to provide that to all the different industries that are out there and we're working really hard on how we do that, how we leverage our automotive components in a way that kind of scales to different industries and it, it is relevant to them and adds value. Bill, in, in the kind of auto tech world, we always hear about the case acronym, the connected automated shared electric. And it seems like what you're telling me is you're taking that, that E and spreading it beyond the, the auto industry. You're really finding all the applications where 
where electric works and growing, growing the business that way, not thinking about it, not thinking about it as an automaker growing its business, but thinking about it as an electrification uh, business line that, that's growing far and wide. Yep, that's really exactly the way we're thinking about it, Pete. And when we look at it, we have our zero emissions goals and other companies that we work with have, have their goals as well. And it's really matching up our ever-expanding component set to help them meet zero goals and to help us meet our, our goals. So really it's about finding the right opportunities that make the most impact and then creating a product that's really um, category redefining. Curious if are companies coming to you saying we want to be more efficient, or is it really that what you just said that they're looking to hit sustainability goals? Is that what's driving them your way? I think it starts off a lot with sustainability goals, but then when they look at the product capability, they find out that these products do more than their non-electric ones they're replacing, right? So then they start thinking about efficiency, they th start thinking about job cycles. So it really ends up being a combination of both. And I think we really can help them win in both. I'm curious, maybe like, did, did they investigate automotive components 10 years ago and uh, let, let's call it 10, 20 years ago, and now they're cycling back and there's so much more you can do here in 2022 than, than was available in the past where now that the synergy makes more sense. Capability is a huge big, part of it, the battery durability, the battery length of use. So, you know, especially in the commercial space, it has to function all day. It can't be in the charging bay um, all the time. And that really was some of the limitations before. Now we've, we've broken through all that and, and these vehicles are ready to work, ready to be productive all day long. And that's what we're finding in a lot of our trials with some manufacturers that we're going forward with is they're performing better than expected. So what is some of the low-hanging fruit that you mentioned? What have you been working on, uh, well, you know, first and foremost yeah. here in these first two years? Yeah, so, I mean, if you really kind of look at it, some of the announcements that we've made, um, Marine with Pure Watercraft is a, is a great example. Uh, a great example of how EV power can work with the environment as well. I mean, as, as a boater, every time I try to put gas in the boat or do something. I just, you know, I just think about the the impact of what if what if the gas spills in there, or what the what the motor is doing as it operates on the lake. So marine is a is is a big one. I think there's great synergies there. Rail allows us to bring in some things like our hydrotech um, hydrogen technology and our LTM cells, which is a, a great way to use our technology. Recreation, um, the Volcom product, um, is is a really strong one, and it's one that. We have a really close partnership with them because they use a lot of our components. It is very similar to a vehicle, but it's off-road. And we feel like as we develop our connectivity, that there are some really good examples there and even charging. So it's an example in Volcom where we're helping Volcom's customers find charging because we want that whole experience with the ePower product to be great, right? We don't want them to be suffering with the charging. We want to help them out with that from the start and be a good uh, partner with them. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I was thinking about it off-road, for off-road vehicles, charging is kind of a unique challenge because where where do you plug in in the wilderness? Uh, how do you help their customers yeah. with, with those challenges? So we work with the same company that we work with like for a, a Bolt uh, customer or you know a Hummer customer. And 
they help with a certified electrician to really get a, um, a dedicated charger in their garage for that Volcom product. We're fortunate in that the Volcom product has great range. So the typical use case would be from the garage, out on the trails, have a lot of fun, not, don't make as much noise <laughs> or smoke. Uh, so it's a better experience than come back and recharge it, not worry, have to worry about gas cans in your garage and not have to worry about mixing gas and oil potentially, to, you know, and all those things. So it really takes the negatives out of it. It's a much more enjoyable experience. People aren't kind of looking at you because you're making a heck of a lot of noise in the woods. You're, you're really, uh, it's, a, it's an all around much stronger product. So we're, we're very excited about helping out with that one. That's such a game changer. I can, I can think of so many times where I've heard the noise, uh, you know, yeah. in the woods or on the dunes here in Michigan or something like that. And uh, it, it, it's a game changer. It'd be very unusual to not have that uh, typical experience that you would with a uh, gas powered vehicle. Yeah. And I'm game changer is a great way to describe it too. I mean, even looking at the airport tugs and some other projects that we're doing, I mean, people are finding these things um, that, they go a long time between charge. They have great robust motors um, and a lot of torque, right? So if there's a lot, if more in the commercial setting, if there's a lot of work to do, they're up to the task. We're not using, you know, some companies have taken, some of the integrators have taken the path of more like motorcycle type components. Um, we take the path of using all of our great, you know, GM components, drive motors, much more robust. So it, it tends to turn these things like airport tugs into, into kind of beast mode. I mean, they're, they're really outperforming everything out there. And that's, that's exciting too, right? And it's exciting for our customers because they can do more with that one piece of equipment than they, they're used to being able to do. So um, it's also it's also fun to see the smiles on their face. So if you're if you're buying airport tugs, you need you watch one go really quickly. You tend to get really happy, and that's great if that's what you're doing. So, um, but it's, it's it's fun to be involved with. I've never heard the phrase "beast mode" associated with airport <laughs> tugs, but I, I think I want to go see if like they're get, they're get ready or what they're so, doing. So if you're in if you're in your airplane seat and you see like a GM logo on the side of it, because um, we do have a lot of co-branding. Your luggage will get back to the terminal a lot quicker than you're used to, so you're probably already late. Bill, you mentioned hydrogen-powered products. Is is that an airport tug uh, application, or is that a, a battery electric, or, or both? Like, what are yeah. how are you doing that? So we we kind of see um, hydrogen is really helping out in the whole Ultium Charge 360 network, right? So if if you're offsite aways, you can generate power off the grid, you can generate significant amounts of it. If you have a commercial application and a stationary storage box and you want the flexibility of off-grid power, you can do it there. So, and then in the case of the train, we use that for power generation on the train in conjunction with the batteries. So we're finding that that really the hydrotech space and our kind of our um, mid-sized portable generators are, are really very useful for a zero emissions type power generation experience wherever you go. Um, so it fits into the ecosystem and it, and it gives us like one more layer of flexibility because in a lot of cases you have to bring a lot of power quickly um, to an area and really it's a great way to do it as opposed to a diesel generator. In airport tech specifically, you've been working with Textron. How did that partnership come about and what have you, what have you done uh, specifically with them so far? It was a, a good combination with uh, PCS, who was an integrator that we've been using, and PCS is very big in that space. And they were familiar with our components, and they knew the robustness of our components and the and the durability. So 
it just is a partnership that happened kind of naturally, right? They were looking for the strongest package that they could put together. And, you know, it's a space we like to play in is providing those components. How versatile are all your components or, you know, is, yeah. is a battery a battery for one example, or does everything have to be tailored uh, significantly for each application, uh, depending on whatever that vehicle is? Yeah, I think one of our big strengths is that we provide a lot of engineering support and that we are able to tailor the battery packs. I mean, the battery packs are module, and so you're fitting into different form factors. So many times um, it's a curated solution to that application. Now, of course, you're trying to do a bunch of that application um, with one with one solution, but the solution set does change. It does get, the components get re-engineered, the control modules get repurposed, um, but we're always working with those base components, but you, you do need some modification and support and validation there. And we think that's our strength as well. Bill, you mentioned uh, earlier the work with pure watercraft and, and electric boats. And when GM invested the $150 million in pure watercraft, which I think was right about a year ago, that was one of those moments where I had to, to pause and think about that for, for a few moments. And then, then the light bulb went off. Is that, uh, is that in a way like the, the perfect example of, of how this technology can spread beyond uh, traditional vehicles? Yeah, I really can't speak that much about the you know investment, but it is a perfect application of the technology, right? So it is an example of how we can provide batteries in a flexible arrangement to provide a lot of power and a lot of torque to a marine application that, I mean, that, that uh, particular pontoon moves great. It is very quiet. Um, it's going to be a game changer for that industry. And that's really what we're trying to do, examples of what we're trying to do, right? So get in there put in the advantages of our propulsion and do a category defining vehicle because we really think that's what the hardware set will do. Similar to what the Volcon will do. It's, it's faster and has better range than anything else out there. So that's, those are the kind of partnerships we want to, we want to do and, and be a part of. And the pure watercraft is a great example of that. What are some of the other projects that you have underway? Uh, and I'm sure there's some you cannot talk about, but tell me about the ones that you, you can talk there, about, Bill. Yeah, there's, there's most that we can't, unfortunately, right now, because we haven't announced them and we haven't signed agreements. But maybe I can characterize it in a way that says, right now we have a whole you know, e-powered group that's working on the strategy of what segments to go after. Um, software solutions to go after is you know, another, another group. And right now we really have sort of an embarrassment of a number of customers coming to us more than we can really, really handle. So we're, we're looking at strategically how, how do we work our way through this, this segment. So uh, there will be a lot of projects, they will be very diverse and they will be challenging. Um, and, and again, the, the main concept here is we're trying to make game changing products that are segment redefining with what we do. So that's kind of the eye we look at things even the rail project has led into another project that is, that is also heavy commercial. So things we never imagined getting into, but that we can because, you know, now that our component set is expanding into things like Hummer drive motors and Hummer um, batteries, it opens up a whole new world of possibility of what we can do. So as our, our really component shelf gets wider, the amount of industries we can get to is, is much wider. What are the rail projects that you're working on or what was the first one that led to, to more business? Yeah, so the, the, our partner right now is a company called Wabtec and they're working on um, just 
this huge um, rail engine that has a combination of hydrotech generators and a ton of battery cells. And you, if you imagine the energy you need for long haul freight up mountains, I mean, there are a lot of, a lot of um, hurdles to do. So it's a really kind of the ultimate test really for our components that it'll make us a ton stronger. And so companies that are affiliated with them and other industries um, are seeing this test engine and going, wait a minute, we could, we could use, you know, Hydrotech combined with Altium for our heavy duty component set. And it would, would help us reach our emissions goals, get to where we need to be. Also makes the workplace a lot more um, pleasant to be in, honestly, if you can imagine, you know, in a mine with a very silent um, truck, if that was one of the industries we were working with, it would be, it would be a much better place to be. Very interesting. It seems like you're in the early innings overall of, of exploring yeah. exactly all the things you can do. And yeah. uh, we'll have to have you on the podcast again in like two years to hear about all the, uh, all the things that have happened in the interim. But is that a good way to characterize this is you're just yeah. to explore the possibilities? Yes, we're, yes, exactly. I think that's what we're, what we're really doing. And hopefully you won't have to wait two years. <laughs> we're trying to work very fast. How big is your team? The team is really, it's a bunch of different teams, right? So it's an engineering group. It's um, a sales group, which we're having to grow now because there's a lot of people to interact with. There's a whole software team. Um, so they don't all fit in EV Grow. They fit in different parts of GM. So we're leveraging kind of the best units of GM to help on this, but they are dedicated teams working on this. Um, so I really don't have a, a total number, but um, uh, we don't all fit in one conference room. I would tell you that. Bill, final question for you. As you kind of pioneered this future, I'm curious, what's, what's the biggest influence on the way you think about pushing all this forward? I really think, you know, the biggest guiding principle is make the most impact to zero emissions and make the most impact in products that, that people will really enjoy and see and interact with. Um, and I think that's really what we want to do on the car side and really what we want to do on the e-powered side, right? And the Volcon will be kind of a, a perfect example of that. You're taking away a lot of the negatives, adding in a ton of positives, and that's what we're looking to do and doing it in zero emissions and, and looking at the sustainability aspects of it um, along the way because um, that's very important. You just don't put a battery out there and hope for the best. It, it's a relationship with the customer, your partner, and is over the length of the product. Bill, it's been great having you on this morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, thanks, Pete. Enjoyed being here. And uh, I'll take you up on your offer to, to come back and uh, explain some of the great e-powered stuff going on. All right. I'm going to put it on the schedule for uh, 2024. Let's call it right now. Awesome. All right. Thank you to Bill for joining us today. I'd love to have both Bill and Travis back on at some point in a year or two for a sequel episode of sorts to see how all these big plans become more of a tangible reality. Uh, that is it for today. I hope you liked the episode. If so, please consider leaving us a review or subscribing to the Shift Podcast at Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you again to Bill and Travis. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week.